you can be what you want to be and you can follow your passion, but your passion might not always be like a capitalist explosion. That might not always work with capitalism very well. And, and so you have to, to realize what is it that you enjoy? What is it that you love? What is it that you're passionate about? You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. I read his book in 2001. It's called Son of a Preacher Man. My search for grace in the shadows. He truly lives that out. He is the child of these very... Uh, iconic, well-known, some would say controversial, evangelical pastors, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, his mom, an amazing woman who's been immortalized in documentaries, and Jessica Chastain won an Oscar for playing her in 2021. Welcome to my guest, Jay Baker. This episode of Holy Cannoli has some grown-up words that might not be appropriate for little ears. You've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, welcome, Jay Baker. Thank you. The, the Holy Cannoli Podcast. This is episode 67. Wow. And uh, yeah, man, I've been following you for quite some time. I think we're of the same vintage age around. I'm 40. What am I, 47? I'm 47. I'm 46. So Okay, yeah. So I'll be 47 in, in like next month. Yeah. So I feel as if we were born 74 then? 76, I mean? I was born in 75. Oh, 75. So we're the same year then. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause I just turned 47. I've got like the last two weeks of December. So. Okay. Well, happy I'm almost 75 birthday. Just made it. <laughs> yeah. Right on. So we are in the same year. So I, you know, I was same age as you obviously watching your life from afar. And I felt I, I always had this really cool admiration for you. And especially when I read your book, I thought, Oh man, this guy is super cool. You just have always kind of, bled authenticity and vulnerability and i i appreciate that so much so yeah i wanted to have you on one because selfishly i just want to meet you and and hear more about you and you know you share so much already everywhere with your church and your uh online videos and stuff it's cool but um yeah so thank thank you for your time i really appreciate it you're welcome i'm glad i could do it so you just got back from London uh, a week or two, maybe three, seeing your yeah. uh, your mom's new musical. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, it's really wild. I mean, there's been this kind of like, um, like, uh, I don't even know what to, like this re- Tammy Faye revival kind of yeah. thing. It's, 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 but it's been really interesting because it's been kind of like a very, um, it's been like re- very redemptive, you know? And, um, you know, there was the eyes of Tammy fame movie, but before that there was the eyes of Tammy document documentary 20 years, probably prior to that. It's crazy that that was that long ago, but, um, and so it's been interesting to watch, uh, kind of like this restoration thing happen through non-church people. And I guess that's where we have to go for restoration nowadays. Um, or at least for the like the past 30 years because the church doesn't really seem to do a good job at restoring people even mm-hmm. though like that's a big thing for Paul and Galatians um <laughs> I'm not bitter um but yeah <laughs> so so um Elton John's doing this musical about my mom and um and uh yeah I just 
I, I had some friends who knew some people who were part of the musical. And so I just like got them on the phone. I'm like, Hey guys, you know, I spent a lot of time in therapy and, mm -hmm. you know, I think it, you know, my family should be a part of this. And so, um, they flew, flew me out and, and talked with me and stuff like that. You know, it, I think that's the odd thing is like, I feel like there's a lot of like people put a lot of room between me and my, my, my sister and I, mm -hmm. and like these projects. And I'm going like, Hey, you know, my mom was not just my mom. She was like my best friend. Um, so that's sometimes difficult, but it, it, it's nice to get close. I mean, I felt like the scene, the play was very healing for me. And, um, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff. Of course, you know, like I'm creative and, and, and I kind of see my work more as art than I do, you know, even theology sometimes. And it's like, you know, I want to jump in and be like, oh, you could do this. You could do that. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like knowing, like, it's weird to have to have boundaries around your parents. Because, like, I mean, that's kind of how I grew up because they were so famous and because they were so busy and things like that. Um, so it's complicated. But mm -hmm. um, but it was really great. They, they were really, you know, I got to hang out with, with Jake um, from Scissor Sisters. And, like, that he was so cool and so amazing. And all those folks were just really, like, just amazing people and now, i don't know i don't know who those who those people are the, the uh, creators oh, yeah. of the show? i mean if you just google it you'll you'll see he's uh -huh. pretty famous wow so he was doing writing the music with um jake okay. was writing the music with um with elton john and um so yeah it was really it was really um it, it was really cool and it was really cool to just be in england and wander around i hadn't been since i was a kid and so i got lost a lot in england <laughs> So, gosh, Elton John uh, producing a musical about your mom. That's pretty amazing. So I, so what you might not know about me is I'm a pastor still, but also a filmmaker. And so okay. I, I, I'm very dialed into filmmaking and pop culture. I made my first feature film last year. Very exciting. But I did follow, you know, I watched the documentary, you know, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I saw the the narrative, the fictional version, uh, yeah. loosely based. And, and I watched all of your interaction really, you know, through social media and even Je Jessica Chastain referencing you and your sister a ton in the research. So yeah, you're saying this is like a kind of like a resurrection or resurgence in a healing way about your mom's story. How is that impacting you, I guess, uh, in, in, in your journey with what you're, you're still processing being a son uh, of Tammy Faye. Well, it's funny is it's almost kind of takes some of the pressure off, you know, because you live growing up knowing the truth of this human being and how wonderful they were and how much they really cared about people and your own experience was with them. Um, you know, and then you see people scapegoat them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, in some ways, like, you know, you want to take control of these projects that they're doing about your, cause you're like, Oh, I want it to be done. Right. But in the same way, it's kind of like, okay, these folks are restoring, you know, and, and celebrating my mom's love for people. So like, I kind of just like, it's hard to trust it, you know, but you just kind of try to trust it. And so it, that's how, for me, it, it's very healing. And it's kind of like relieves me from this like pressure of like trying to be like, you know, my mom's a wonderful lady. You should make fun of her, whatever, you know? And, and, um, allows me to kind of do my own work. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think through some of this stuff, it, I've realized how, you know, I mean, she obviously influenced me quite a bit, why I'm so transparent, why I'm so honest with people, why I'm so, you know, no bullshit. And so I think that's, that's, you know, been a big part of it, but it, it was like, 
to see how to see her life through other people's eyes is pretty amazing, you know, because like they, it's like, oh, they got it, you know, and there was only, you know, they got the glimpses, they got these pieces and they put them together and they realized like, you know, it's pretty beautiful to see how people get stuff. You know, I, I kind of wish she would have been able to be here to to see this, you know, because mm-hmm. I think she, she would have been. You know, I think she would have been sh- surprised by it, really surprised by it. It's interesting how many people are appreciated more uh, when they're not with us, when yeah. we have different eyes in, in space and time. She's sort of a patron saint to yeah. many people, especially to the LGBTQ community, which is pretty amazing. Like the work, the work that she did was really revolutionary and progressive. So I want to hear in, about your uh, views on the church. And I love that you said you're more maybe of a, an artist than a theologian, <laughs> which I think is really cool. And I have such high hopes for the church most, most times. And then other times I feel a little bit like, you know, as I listen to some of your messages you put online, just like the, we miss opportunities. As you said, we, we yeah. cost, cost so much harm and we don't take accountability, but you seem to be speaking to uh to some hope in regards to that so can you talk about revolution church and what you're doing well i mean yeah i mean we actually call it revolution gathering right now we stopped using the word church because i felt like the church has become very Mm -hmm. uh separate Mm -hmm. separated like very divided and very like um um binary like conservative and progressive and here we have these two and and we don't play together you know, and, and we're against each other. And, and what's been really hard for me is to watch because when I left kind of legalism and all that stuff, I ran towards the, the left, you know, the, I'm going to go to this mainline denominations and it's all going to be heaven from here on out, you know? And, um, and now I'm realizing like some of these, you know, progressive churches are starting to do the same things that the conservative churches were doing. Like, you know, like kick your family out if they support Donald Trump mm. and things like that. I'm going like, Oh my God, why are you guys doing exactly what we were, you know, mm. what these guys were doing to gay kids? You know what I mean? Like this isn't, Oh, well it's different, Jay. And you don't understand. And there's a lot of, you don't understand, man. And I'm going like, I totally understand. <laughs> mm. So I've just kind of had to pull myself back. So I don't go insane. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So we're kind of like this gathering in which two or three are gathered together is the idea, you know, the gathering mm. and, and, um, and I don't even like to call myself a pastor anymore because I just don't even know what that means anymore. You know, it doesn't, you know, it's like somebody waiting to disappoint you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is, you know, like someone to yeah. put on a pedestal that never belonged, you know, never belonged there. You know, it's like, it's really a struggle for me right now. And so what I'm trying to do is, is, is with Revolution Church is like, you know, I'm a pessimist, definitely, but I'm a prisoner of hope, you know, so it's kind of like my mom, I got kind of a real good mix of mom and dad there and my and then a little bit of me thrown in and, and it's just, it's like seeing how bad things are, but not giving up the hope, you know, it's like pointing out the realities and hoping that other people will see those realities of how destructive we are towards each other, how much we hurt each other. And that will stop drawing all these lines in the sand and that will that will at least sit down together and disagree well and yeah. argue well. I mean, I don't even know if the church can help other people at this point. Like, I see like all these different churches doing all these different things and it just seems like they're just trying to impress people like mm. on whatever side they're on. And to me, I'm like, maybe we should, you know, start talking to each other on the different, different spectrums here and, and go, hey... 
can we disagree? Well, can we argue? Well, you know, and people are like, well, I can't talk to them because they don't recognize my humanity. But I'm like, well, yeah. look at people like Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, like what if he had said that mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Dr. King? You know what I mean? What if, what if, you know, the woman at the well, what is, I'm not going to go talk to Jesus because he doesn't recognize me. He's a Jew and Jews don't recognize me as fully human. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, you know, what if Paul had not had that, I mean, had the conversion, but not had that moment of conversion of going like, I'm going to reach the Gentiles. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't realize like that's, you know, that's also restoration too. Like when someone comes around and someone repents, I always think about the guy who wrote, I kissed dating goodbye. And, and then when he came back out and said, I denounced the book, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And people are like, it's too late. You screwed up my childhood. And I'm like, no, that's not what, that's not restoration. Restoration mm. and grace don't say too late. Mm. You know, they don't have these codes and rules and, reg- you know, grace is anarchy, you know. Yeah. I grace. heard you say that recently. Yeah, and it's that's true because it moves outside of your theology and my theology and it doesn't have any asterisks. It doesn't have it. You know, if you want to hear one of the greatest talks on, on grace, listen to Paul Tillich's You Are Accepted. Um, well, you can't listen to it. You have to read it, um, but you can Google it. It'll be come up. It's free. You are accepted by Paul Tillich. And so, yeah, I mean, this, this, it's this idea that grace is, is, is a radical idea that it's also like, you know, like Jesus really meant love your enemies and, and pray for those who persecute you. So, so I think pray for those who persecute you as means like if those people are going to put you in harm, you know, maybe not go right into it, but at least, start thinking about it, at least start bringing it up, at least start focusing on it and, uh, and working towards that. So, you know, and Dr. King uh, has played such a huge role in, in how I do work and how I see like restoration in the church needs to happen because he seemed to like say like, you know, white racist people are, you know, they're not the enemy. The message is the enemy. And they need to be set free from misinformation. And so you just kind of try to look at that way. And then you say, well, argue well and have these conversations and listening as you argue well, because that's part of arguing well, you know, you might be able to see what people see, how they see you through their eyes. You know what I mean? And you might see how other people are seeing you and it comes together and go, oh, you know, like, because I mean, someone sees us doing this interview right now, you know, and they, you know, some conservative person sees, oh, a bunch of like weird dudes with tattoos. (laughs) <laughs> talking about how we got to love each other. You know what I mean? And you yeah, kind of go, like, yeah. oh yeah, you kind of brought, put that into account, you know, like yeah. what are they thinking? So I, so I spend um, a lot of Sundays, you know, speaking, you know, like you do. And I have been doing this for quite some time, like you have. And I, I, I get to a place where I'm very much aware of like my privilege and how I can influence. And then how I've also caused harm, right. In my ignorance in the past, how, you know, my theology, the way I think about the Bible has radically changed. And uh, I wonder, you know, I'm still looking to learn, but what things would you encourage a a pastor or a person who's leading a gathering or speaking on a regular basis to, to do, uh, to prevent harm or to promote this, this piece? Like one thing I just try to do every time I speak is like, you know, this is just my opinion, y'all. I'm trying my best to share my insights on the Bible. Uh, we yeah. can disagree with the Bible. I could be wrong. I also reserve the, the right to change my mind 10 years from yeah. whatever. You know, like what other things would you say to, to me, to other people who are leading uh, faith communities so that we can continue to do good and not harm? I think scholarship's really, Im- good scholarship's really important. I think biblical history is important. I think knowing that there's, 
you know, like for me, knowing that I feel, you know, I believe there's forgeries in the Bible and pointing those out and being clear mm-hmm. about that and being clear about contradictions and, yeah. and um, not being afraid to wrestle with some of the hard stuff, you know, but also, you know, you have to really, I think to do this type of work is I really have to just keep, keep it, letting grace into my life. I have to live a life of grace. I have to accept grace for myself as well. And uh, I have to realize like what, what I'm, where I'm called and who I'm, you know, how I'm called to, to talk to people and what haunts me. And, and that that's where I am. And this is who I am. And that just as much as, you know, I'm saying what I, people have a choice to watch or not watch, you know, people have a choice to be there or not be there. And, and I, and I, you know, trying to remind people of that as well. I think sometimes people in the church, uh, people or people who go to the gatherings or go to the, these events and go to communities and they participate in these communities, you know, don't realize that they're playing a part of it as this community as well, you know? And so helping people also take responsibility for that. So what I've done is like really tried to like listen to folks, feedback for a while i had an assistant that worked with me and he would read everybody's comments and we would do q a afterwards right now i don't have anybody working with me so i can't do that as much but like you know getting people's feedback hearing people's questions and you know there's you know respecting that for me it's been like reading but for me it's been like reading philosophy and having good scholarship and trying my best to care about people, but also knowing like my limits of like, there's certain people who just don't, don't want me, you know, I'm not the right person to, and, and, and being okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, but also trying to recognize humanity. And that's what I try to do in every situation with revolution. You know, we talk about arguing well and things like that, but we have like straight people and queer people and, conservative people and liberal people. And then, and, and the reason is, is we're really trying to bring in a diversity of thinking. You know, I feel like a lot of people bring them like, Oh, we want a diverse crowd, but you can have a diverse like skin color crowd and, you know, and, and still have one mindset. So what we're trying to do is I'm trying to bring in like diverse ways of thinking of like, how can we argue? Well, how can we exist in this same, how can we live in the, um, the dialect, you know, how do we have embrace the dialect? How do we embrace the contradiction? And, 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 and Hegel uh, talks a lot about the contradiction. It's very difficult work to do to understand what he's saying about contradiction. But when sometimes when these contradictions or these dialectics come together, there, there's a greater truth. And I learned that through dialectic therapy. And I've learned that through reading Hegel and, you know, and then going back and looking at going, you know, oh, this is what Tillich said. This is what Dr. King said, or even reading my friend uh, Peter Rollins. And, you know, you start to put all these things together. So being able to just live in that kind of, where it doesn't have to be tension anymore. It's just like, you know, you kind of have to accept in this work, disagreeing and disagreeing well is going to be a really good thing. And I think when we lose is, is when we stop, when we're afraid of conflict, when we want to people please. I think people threatening to cancel other people during conflict is awful. I think it's just as bad as anything the conservative Christians have ever done. I've got no room for it. That's not grace. That's not forgiveness. That's not what, if you want to do that, that's great, but that's not Christianity. That's not the way, you know, that's not Jesus. You know, Jesus is like, Oh no, you actually kind of have to love those people. Yeah. Oh yeah. You kind of have to learn to tolerate those folks and live in the same community. I mean, look at Galatians. I mean, the Galatians is you got two folks 
you got Judaizers and you've got these, uh, the Gauls, you know, coming from completely different faiths. They're both trying to like push their faith on each other. And Paul's like, no, you can't do this. You're going to kill each other. You know, don't kill each other. You know, you got to live in community. So you're going to have to let some of these things, you're just going to have to let people be people. You know, like they can practice their Jewish traditions. They can practice their really weird Gaul, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, new agey traditions. But the fact is, you guys have to realize that your faith is not based on that stuff. That has nothing to do with it. And you also have to learn to live together in unity. And when one other, the other, other falls, you have to be willing to restore that person and do it humbly and gently. And so I think because when you've been on the side that's been attacked most of the time, it's easy to be like on the defense, yeah. you know. And the reason I give my, my progressive liberal brothers and sisters such a hard time is because that's what I love. That's the group I cherish and I care about. And I, I mean, I care about my conservative brothers and sisters too, but I've been there and done it. and It's not where I belong anymore, but I'm going to be a little bit tougher on the group that I'm like, Hey, you know, you guys bring in a lot of hope, but when you start bringing up these walls of unforgiveness and canceling and, and, and and telling people to not, you know, associate with family members and, uh, you know, there's because the, the Bible has some hard things in it, like dying to oneself and doing things like that and taking up your own cross. You know what I mean? And loving your enemies. And you might be like, well, I'm not ready to love my enemies yet. Well, that's OK, too. You know, that's why we, we get in the community and we talk about it and we figure out ways. How, what are other ways we can love our enemies where it might not be mm. as harmful to us? Right, right. But we have to get creative. You know, we have to think about this stuff. And if you're really wanting to do this work and lead in this work, you know, you're going to have to be able to be offended. You're going to have to be able to be hurt. You're going to have to be able to turn the other cheek at times. You're not always going to do it. You know, you're going to fail and you're going to fail well, (laughs) but learn from your failures, keep moving forward and, you know, live to learn because a world without conflict would just be a world of war. We would just go straight to war. And I think that's what, social media has caused us to do is like we just go to war with each other rather than mm. learn to live within a conflict sorry that was a long answer that's me. great i love it yeah there there's so much to say here when i see your interactions on social media speaking of you know you you're a real human being who's sharing all these sorts of things you know your your thoughts on you know grace and your mom but I, i've noticed a couple of times you seem to notice you're like you're constantly looking for grace. Like you're, you're sharing stories about your, your past of being taught to tie your shoes from a security guard of the family. You're, you're, you're pointing out uh, a TSA agent who looks at your name and just says, I know you, you're loved. I wonder like, your coping mechanisms. Like I think all of us are looking for how do we cope with the pain, with the trauma, and specifically in regards to our church life? Well, well, we, we, you know, well, I mean, it's funny because you know, I, I'm like a recovering people pleaser. Okay. Like, <laughs> which was really fun the first 25 years of minute mm-hmm. um, and destroyed my last marriage, probably, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, I was just make, I just want everybody to be happy, you know, and you got, you realize like, oh God, that's no way to live. Um, coping mechanisms well i had just i just got start seeing a psychoanalyst and and I, had, I did dialectic behavioral therapy which really helped a lot which is called dbt and now i've seen a psychoanalyst 
Can you, do, can you do a quick summary of what the DBT does or what, what what's dialectic the behavior therapy really gives you tools to learn how to cope with things okay. like negative thoughts, how to embrace like radical disappointment, mm-hmm. you know, how, radical acceptance is one of the things like when you're just in a thing and it's awful and you can't do anything about it. You just kind of have to learn to really accept it or opposite action. You know, doing, I mean, they're just these different tools that teach you how, how to deal with, life but also realize like two opposites can be right you know and a lot of times we 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 try to think contradiction is so un- impossible that we we completely push it away and then our life becomes full of these contradictions and we don't know what to do with them so it kind of allows you to kind of see and accept which contradictions are there <laughs> to live with and which contradictions you can kind of go oh wait no we can you know those don't have to be there so that that's part of it and psychoanalysis is basically you're going into your unconscious and dealing with things like that. So I really had to learn like a lot of my coping mechanisms weren't healthy. And I would have panic attacks all the time. And that means, you know, you're, when you're having panic attacks, coping mechanisms aren't working anymore. Something's wrong and your mind and body are trying to tell you something's yeah. horribly wrong. They're shutting you down. Um, but instead it's like, we're dying, you know, <laughs> instead of like, hey, you need to change this. And so that's what was happening for a long time. And I, I mean, obviously I have unhealthy coping mechanisms like, Oh, I'll go buy a new hat. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> you I love your hats, stuff. Jay. We know, we know. You I know. I'll kick the endorphins in, <laughs> yeah. you know, or I'll, you know, my mom was like a shopaholic. So like, I have to be wary of like, you know, like that endorphin hit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but also, like you said, like looking for moments of grace has become something that's been a little bit more natural for me. It's like, you know, I was really excited when the Sinead O'Connor documentary came out, kind of celebrating like when she tore the picture of the Pope and like, oh, well, you know, and I was talking about this on Sunday. I was like, oh, she's been redeemed. I'm like, no, 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 she hasn't been redeemed. We've been redeemed. Amen, brother. Us, yeah. It just took us this long to get there. Yeah. You know, it's just taken us 30 years to be redeemed and not scapegoat you know we i think for a lot of people scapegoating is a coping mechanism it's like well if the conservatives would just do this or if the liberals would just do this like i'm done with both as far as political parties like i just i can't i can't do it anymore I, i've never voted for a republican in my life maybe one but um but but mostly i've been a lifelong democrat so i was kind of there before it was hit you know but at the same time i'm like i just I, I I realize that capitalism and greed and, uh, you know, uses a lot of things like social media and, and heterosexism and, and racism and, and uses all these things to kind of keep us divided. Mm. And, and then at the bottom, for, for a lot of these folks who are keeping us divided, it's the bottom line, it's finances, you know? So for me, I guess coping mechanism is trying to find those moments of grace, learning to let thoughts just be thoughts and not, hold on and dwell on them. Like when I have a panic attack, instead of like fighting it, I give into it, you know? Um, you know, there's no, I, you know, I don't do yoga or anything like that. I mean, I wish I did, but I, I just, I've just never really been into that. You know, I listen to a lot of music as obviously you can see like all the albums I've framed behind me and stuff. Um, you know, spending time with my kids is really fantastic. You know, I have a, a five-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son and, and they're just like, it's hard to focus on anything else anyway, because you're parenting and you're trying to keep these two kids My going gosh, yeah. and, you know, entertained. And so that's been 
just really helpful is, is, is just, you know, brings a total perspective back into life is, is, is being a parent, you know, not saying I have to go have kids and that, because that's not, <laughs> that'll solve your problem. No, it won't. Um, but it definitely does things different. And I don't know, just kind of learning to accept myself more of who I am. Like, you know, I have learning disabilities. I have really bad dyslexia, you know, so I always have to work with a co-writer, you know, I'm 46 and I, you know, we're both for, you know, in our late forties and we look, don't dress like it. You know, we dress like we're in high school, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you have serial killer glasses on. You know what I mean? We just <laughs> hey, you're not the first person to call these Dahmer glasses. That's okay. Yeah. For or, the listener, or, I'm wearing, I'm wearing big orange glasses right now, but I need them to before see. Before that and say Jim Baker glasses. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. He used to wear those too. But you know I mean? We accept, we just learn to accept who we are and those different parts of ourselves and accepting those contradictions also in our lives and, you know, kind of learning what you want out of life. And that's, that's helped a lot, you know, and, and not letting anybody's opinion of who and what I am get me too uptight, which is really tough. Cause like lately this like past couple of years, I've been really preaching about arguing well and loving your enemies. And, and, and the thing is, is I, I'm, I'm now I'm getting a lot of critics from progressive critics as well now. Now, so I have conservative critics and progressive critics, and I don't know which one I like better. I think the I think the conservatives are a little bit easier to handle because I know what they're coming with, and like the progressives get really like personal and like race based and sexuality based and stuff like that. Oh, you know, that gets really like, you know. I mean, I had I had recently a few months ago, I had somebody claim that I lived in a poor neighborhood because I was trying to virtue signal. And I'm like, I mean, this isn't like just insane, you know, and this is coming from a really progressive pastor. And I'm like, no, like I, if I could live somewhere else, I would, because I like my kids to feel safe. And, you know, I don't have to like drive 30 minutes to their school because their mom lives in a better neighborhood than me. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's really weird to get it from, from, from everywhere but you know because i'm also not a middle of the road guy i'm really kind of a leftist i'm really kind of a crazy leftist so it's really it's it's really it's really hard and so how do you cope with that also having friends like i don't have a lot of friends but having a few good friends who can give me really good advice you know and other like you said well as a pastor you know like i have good pastor friends like you kind of remind me of my buddy tony jones a little bit Oh, I've and, talked to Tony before. Have you? Yeah, you guys yeah. look like you could be brothers. And so Tony's like a different character. He's like a type A guy. You know, like I'm going to ask Tony something and he's not afraid to hurt my feelings with it. But I can have that conversation. You know, I can have particular conversations with Tony. You know, I can have a different different conversation with Pete Rollins and he's really going to like blow my brain with like all this mm -hmm. like weird like philosophy stuff. And then like, oh, you know having you question reality um you know or i could talk to my friend helen or my friend jeanette or i could talk to you know my ex-wife or i you know whatever even my kids you know or even talking to my kids and you just get mm -hmm. yourself surrounded by people who really who you can trust and understand well and, and sometimes i shut down though man that's a big part you know i've got a few people who've been reaching out to me lately and i haven't really connected back with them and and like trying to remind myself to do that as well. Cause I think I could have even a better crew around me, but sometimes I just, one of my bad coping mechanisms is isolating, mm. you know? And so I live 30 minutes from the city or, you know, and, and, and I'm, you know, so I can just shut down and be like, stay in my house. 
So it's, it's, it's a daily struggle. I mean, it's like, we're all going through this together. Nobody's got the perfect answers. Yeah. On top of all the you know pandemic stuff we've had to persevere through over the past few years, it's just added this whole other layer that everybody is sort of a, l- a level playing field. We all have been traumatized yeah. in that way on top of all the other traumas. Uh, so as I'm listening to you talk to you about parenting, I have uh, an 11, 13 and 15 year old and it is, you know, the, the parenting journey is so uh, challenging in its own, but I know a lot of our listeners are parents as well. So I was like hearing parents talk about conversations around faith and, you know, I'm navigating conversations of faith with my kids way different than I thought I would have, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, youth groups look totally different. Uh, the church that we were a part of, you know, there's probably a, a, there's a non-existent youth group. And, and even some of the youth groups that are existent, they just, they're not what they were. And I think for good right. reason, right? For good reason. Right. So I, I wonder, you know, what with a five and seven-year-old, what that looks like, parenting, and uh, what other encouragements we could learn from you as you process <laughs> faith with your kids. Feed your children. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let them eat whatever they want. When do they start eating normal food? <laughs> I so badly like just like I'm like, can we just go to try Chinese? I mean, my my daughter, my five year old, she'll eat like the rice, like with the peas and stuff. Oh in sure, it. But, you know, God, just, that reminds me when one of, one of my daughters like, I love these pot stickers, and she just ate the and the the, the, the covering. She didn't eat inside <laughs> the pork or whatever. I love how like you just ate bread, like basically it's the noodle. That is, uh, that is the story of my life. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the children. Um. So anyway, sorry, I don't know how that is with spirituality, but you got to feed them first before you <laughs> feed them spiritually. Um, no, it's weird. Like one time Pete came over and was visiting and my kids were here and I have a just, just like just little Jesus figurine and my and Pete, you know, was like, oh, do you know who this is? Who is this? And my son was like, oh, I don't, you know, and Pete's like, oh, is it a, Pete gets really sarcastic. I was like, is it a superhero? Does he have super? I'm like, Pete stop with the jesus superhero shit and um <laughs> and uh <laughs> don't philosophize don't get full philosophical with my children um but you know so it's like no but like my kids have learned more about christianity from like their preschool because they were at like a, 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 a like a preschool that was was an orthodox like christian orthodox preschool you know and so they're coming home asking me questions because I don't push it on them a lot, you know, but I will answer questions, but usually the questions they ask are like impossible for me to answer anyway. So it's pretty good. They're already like got me in that, like got that part of me, you know, like, well, you know, what is God and what's God, you know, how old is God and why did God do this? And, you know, and they also ask me like, why is there money? Why do we have to have money? You know, oh, geez. Um, I don't know. Um, but so they ask a lot of questions and, and what I just try to do is honestly, what I've tried to do with everybody else in my life is I've, and what my parents did early on, and I don't think they realized they were doing this is, but they really ignored a lot of spiritual Christian stuff in our family. Like they just lived their life. And what I try to do is live my life well and, and love my kids well and sit down and have good conversation. Like when my kids are hurt or when they lose their temper and have good conversations with them and they know what dad does you know they they know that um 
but I, I'm not going to sit down and be like, if you know, if you guys died tonight, where would you yeah, go? Right, right. Like, oh, I had man. that conversation at like probably three, starting at like two or three years old, you know, yeah, with, Brutal. with people who worked for my parents, you know, so I was probably saved like 5,000 mm. times. And then I went to a Baptist church where they don't save you again. They re, you get rededicated. So I've been saved. I've rededicated, you know, I've done it all. Throw some rice behind my back just in case, bury some bacon in the yard. Um, but you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, with my kids is like when we had, um, we were right next to the riots in, 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 in Minnesota, there were a lot of riots going on in my, in my neighborhood after George Floyd was, was, was murdered. And, um, and so the kids were nervous and this was happening. And like the gas station, we used to get snacks at every day was burnt to the ground. Wow. You know what I mean? So why do we talk? So I went and got, I had a Martin Luther King kids book. Um, and um, that I got at the King Center I had got before I had children. So I looked through my book, found it. And we sat down and we, and we talked about Dr. King, you know, and Dr. King's work. And I mean, at this time, my daughter is like three and my son, you know, my son's five, you know, but this, you know, but every time, my dad, like my dad, that's a weird Freudian slip. Every time my son, mm-hmm. like I do see my dad in his face, um, sees a picture of like Martin Luther King Jr. He goes, oh, dad, it's your hero. You know, like got there a bit, you know. And so there's he in, in one of his classrooms we were in, they had a Dr. King uh, poster up and, and he pointed to it. You know, and so it's like kind of being like, and well, why did Dr. King do these things? Well, Dr. King felt like this was, you know, he was a pastor, like dad, the, you know, and, and this way, you know, and, and when they were going to their, their Orthodox school, like the pastor there wore like a robe and everything. And then Milo would be like, my dad's a pastor too, you know, and I hear I have a sex pistols button on or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <You know>, like, <laughs> why do I have to be a provocateur? Um, <laughs> I'm not a good pastor. Um, <laughs> I would argue that makes it a good one. Makes you a good one. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know. Yeah. So it's like, I don't push it with my kids. I just, I let it lie there yeah. and be there and something that we can talk about. And I can say like, yeah, dad was hurt a lot by people who confessed this Christianity. But I also can say like, there's a reason like, I try to love these people who've hurt me mm-hmm. and because it's like, because I think, you know, it's what is taught in this book that I really feel is important. And it's also what your grandmother showed because they know who their grandma is. And, and I show them pictures and talk about her all the time. And my daughter is, is named Minnie Faye. So she's named after uh, my, cool. my mom. Um, and we have pictures in the house of, of her and stuff. And it, and like their grandma, and I think that's one of the things I've even realized even more through these these documentaries and these plays and things is that you know Jesus at the end of of, of uh, at the end of the Last Supper goes, hey guys, I want to give you a new commandment, and you're like, oh, what's this going to be? And he's like, I want you to love each other. And it's not new at all. Like that's not. I would be like, that's like the first thing you said to us. This is not new. I would have been like, Jesus is, is Jesus okay, everybody? I would have is been he? Jesus is thorn. Jesus is losing his mind because he's starting all over again. <laughs> um, let's just go talk to a therapist, Lord. No, I don't think we should be crucified. Let's not get crucified. Um, so, and he goes, I really want you to love each other. 
And he goes, the world will know you belong to me for your love for one another. And now I'm looking at the world, celebrate my mom for what? For her love for others. And so I'm going like, oh my gosh, my mom won the Jesus lottery. I had literally seen a tweet like six months ago where their guys like, I don't think I've ever seen a Christian that I've looked at where I've known them for their love. Mm. And I'm going, well, sure. Dr. King, I think would be an exception to that. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people I could probably pick out that I think would, would, would do that. But my mom is another one of those people that I was like, and, and, and how amazing and how grateful I am to have that. So I can also point to grandma because, you know, it's like, my, my ex-wife, she's an atheist, you know what I mean? So like she, and she's clear with the kids, you know, and, you know, and right now the kids love Jesus and they want to, you know, they're more Christian than I am in some ways, <laughs> you know, like, um, worship, like my sisters covered one of my mom's songs for the movie. And they I heard they, it. Yeah. Yeah. And they love to listen to that song. And my daughter was like, do you think mom would believe in God if she heard this song? And I'm like, Oh, you know, like, I'm like, Karen, I promise it's not me. It's not me. Leader to Christ, kids. Leader to Christ. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it, sounds, it sounds like it's your, your conversation, which I kind of going back to what you talked about with revolution, which I appreciate is what does it mean to be a pastor? But we don't always need to be preaching at our churches or our kids. It's how do we engage? How do we listen? How do we listen to their questions? And, Sometimes I like to ask my kids questions too, because I could learn from them, you know, as well, like you're saying. Yeah. And so to our listeners, parenting's hard. It's exhausting. I'm tired. I, I'm totally insecure. You know, my wife and I just hit 18 years and it's like, we're, we're, you know, army crawling, you know, sometimes <laughs> to bed. Like we want to have a conversation, but do we have it in us, let alone do anything else? And it's just, oh, but your kids are going to be okay. If you're just but there. It's like living in that reality. I mean, that's like when I, when I date, I like, you know, like, I like to date somebody who has kids because there's just, I feel like the expectations are a little bit lower on each mm-hmm. other. Cause you're not like, Hey, what are you doing? Why didn't you text me back? You know, it's mm, none of that. Sure. Like, yeah. I have children, yeah. <laughs> you know, and one of the things I've tried to do with revolution and, and I've had people push me back on, push back on this is like, I'll be like, Hey, one of my kids was sick last night. There's no, I'm not doing service today, you know? And they're like, people are like, Hey, but that's not how it normally works, you know, or like my kid needs me. I'm not going to be here. And like my kids come first, period. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and people are like, what the Bible's I'm like, nope. Like if I'm going to, you know what, you can th- quote a few of those weird verses to me. I, first of all, I think the pastoral epistles are all bullshit. And I think they're complete forgeries written to kind of make Paul sound like someone Paul wasn't. I'm just really feel strongly about that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep cursing. Um, <laughs> forgive me. Um, We'll put an explicit rating on this podcast, <laughs> nice. Jay. Or you can just beat me out. That would be <laughs> no, fun. no, it's more fun. It's more fun to have. Like, wow, he must really have a dirty mouth. It's like a one long beep. It's just a long yeah. beep. <laughs> but um, so one of the things is, is like, you know, letting people know I have those. And it's weird that people push back. Like, Why don't you just let your kids sit in the room? Because I'm like, oh, I have my kids on the tablet in the other room. Mm. Like, because that's, I never yeah. asked for that. Yeah. You know, like when I was a kid, I had my every school picture sent out to thousands of people. You know, I sat on the corner of the couch. After a while, you start to feel like, you know, a prop. Now, yeah. I don't want my kids to feel like props, you know, and I don't want my kids to feel like, oh, the show must go on. That I'm like, when it, I'm like, every other way the show goes on, unless I'm sick yeah. or my kids need me. And I've just made it clear. I'm like, you guys wonder why there's so many screwed up PKs out there? 
It's because they didn't do this. And now, and, that, and it's weird to have people in your con push back and I have to go like, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't the community for you. Like if you want a community where the pastor is going to put Sunday above his children, great. That's just not who I am. I'm not going to do that, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's part of, part of just the more important lesson than anything else I would teach people is like, Hey, you know, I told you like, like be grateful that you have this speaker or pastor, whatever you want to call me that puts his kids first. Mm -hmm. Because like, if I was really to understand the Bible, well, that would be something that it would, you know, I would put people first. I would not just put my kids first. I put people outside, you know, there's just sometimes that you have to do that. Yeah. And, um, that's a weird place to be. I mean, it's a weird thing to be like, I'm going to do it my own way because it's not one popularity contest. I have a, you know, the, the highest, my highest point was as far as ministry, the most successful I was ever was right before I, I announced that I was gay affirming that we, you know, and as soon as I did that, everything is, you know, so, and it's funny because you get accused of tickling people's ears or saying what they want. No, man, like the crazier my theology has gotten from mm. scholarship, from his history, biblical history and biblical reading, biblical historians and from proper the philosophy, you know, the less popular it's gotten. And that's also says a lot like what people want to hear and what we're saying. And, and that's a challenge. You know, that's yeah. a, that's it. It's like heartbreaking because you're like, oh, I want to be a reformer. But how am I going to reform? The church when i have like uh, 12 people listening to my live you know youtube <laughs> video so <laughs> you know uh well jay I, I i love this man this is you know speaking to me and to the listeners out there you know who we, some don't have a, ch a church anymore it's like their church yeah. is what they find online and uh i think the the, the the lay of the land in the church is like things are changing radically yeah. and for good reasons. And I think uh, I know I'm with you. Sometimes I go, do I want to be identified as a pastor, this pastoral role that we have created, you know, that, um, that people pay and you get benefits. I don't get those anymore, but at one, yeah. time, I, at one time I did, it just goes, did it create more harm? And I, I think people who have this role, I mean, there's not a lot of people that I, every day. I keep seeing things that churches are crumbling because they put all yeah. this pressure on a person who then what steals money or does whatever they do. It's, yeah. it's the same story. I don't want to be susceptible to that. And so. Oh, it's just being human. It's when we, it is. We, we, it that's is. the thing is putting up, a, we put ourselves up to like some sort of saintly status. That's right. And I think, you know, as you just, I always like tell my community, like, Hey, if something weird happens, something weird happens, you know, I'm a human being, yep. you know, yep. I'm a single 46 year old who's probably never going to get married again. So take that with what you will. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, um, keep church weird. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I live in reality. And, and like I said, I go back to, it's funny, the pastoral epistles, like I didn't even think I would talk about that today. But like a lot of that hierarchy system that set it was set up by, I feel like something that's just not supposed to be there. And I try to live a life of grace and I try to live a life of Keep um, talking. I'm just plugging in. Yeah. You know, all is beneficial, you know, not, I mean, all is permissible, but not all is beneficial, right. you know? And that's why I haven't had a drink and Oh gosh, like how old am I? Like 26 years. You know what I mean? So it's like there's these 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 ideas of just learning to live light. But yeah, it's just it's it's weird, you know. It's it's 
all really weird stuff. Well, I'd love you to tell people where they could find you because you're pretty easy to find. Yeah, you can go to revolutionchurch.com or you can um, look at Jay Baker, which is just, I got two Ks in Baker. So that's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So I'm pretty easy to find. My whole setup is just like falling off. Jay's doing <laughs> his, his outro here. I'm like, why every plug I plug in for some reason is not working right now, but that's okay. Oh. Uh, Jay, this was so good. Thank you so much for your time and for who you are and, and what you do in the world. And uh, I know I kind of have this, this dream. I, I would love to talk to you more about this, but you know, I'm this filmmaker pastor. I'm in this hustle mentality, which isn't always all that great. You know, how do I provide for my kids? How do I, you know, I don't have benefits. I don't have insurance, all these things. And I look at, you know, the life that you're doing seems kind of similar. It's just, you're just finding a way to make it work in this weird faith, sacred, strange uh, way that I, that I admire. So next time I'd love to talk about that. And maybe there's even a way we can find a way. Yeah, we should. I mean, I think that would be great because I even think about like talking about stuff like insurance and like right now, like revolution hasn't, I haven't been paid in over like a month right now, you know? And like, what is that? What's that like? And like, yeah, but it's also, it's like the only thing I've ever trained for and it is really my job. So it's like, how am I responsible to that as well? And, you know, so it's like, you know, and not being able to like, of course I got my, my eye insurance instead of dental. And then I had a tooth go bad and had to have it pulled. You know what I mean? Come it's on. like, Ugh. you know, we just, you know, you have kids and then you got to pay $800 to have a tooth taken out. Like, you know, anyway, I think that's important stuff to talk about. Cause I don't think, you know, people realize like, oh, after 30 years, you kind of get over the like, Oh, I'm a good saint. And I just want to tell people <laughs> <laughs> the good news. <laughs> <laughs> that's right i need to make a living people yeah you're like sorry everybody you know we do have to you know make yeah. a living you can i mean I'll, I'll take i'll take target cards or grocery cards and things like that as well you know whatever you know i'll take a starbucks card it's just yeah. i gotta be able to get like you know my kids gotta get a chocolate pop and i gotta get an iced tea whatever you know right. I mean, yeah you gotta live yeah. So. Oh, man. So good. It, it, it's almost entrepreneurial. It, it really is like this new, I think, and I'm trying to talk with our church about this too, uh, is how do we, how do we think entrepreneurial as a church? Like, I want to start businesses and I want, you know, this building that we, that we have, you know, it was, it was, it's paid off. Um, it is a quote unquote church building, but it, you know, our numbers have dropped since pandemic. And now we're renting it out to, you know, to small business people and to recovery groups. And there's almost this new wave of looking at what it could mean to be the church, which I think kind of like what Paul talks about a little bit, you know, and, and this like tent making idea yeah. is how could we do more business, you know, and look at it as, the quote unquote, like ecclesia of God. So that gets me excited to kind of, you know, play and experiment in that. And sometimes I have to tell myself, I, you know, I can start, I'm starting again at 47 years old. When I look at my other friends who are these ages, you know, they're almost near retirement because of whatever in the Silicon Valley where I live. It's so (laughs) humbling, but yeah, yeah. no, I've got, I've got, yeah. I mean, I know people who are 10 years younger than me doing way better, but you know, I also do, this is another thing I do with my kids is I tell my kids like, you know, daddy, we live in an apartment here, you know, we don't have as much or whatever, but daddy is really does what he loves and what he cares about. That's cool. You know, and, and, and daddy has chosen to live life like this. 
And I'm like, but there, I'm like, but you can also choose to live, you know, work really hard every day and go into an office and do something that, you know, that you're trained to do and, and do that as well. You know, I'm also doing other stuff to, to, to have income. Cause if I didn't have another job right now, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent, mm-hmm. but that's just the reality of like, also letting my kids know, like you can be what you want to be and you can follow your passion, but your passion might not always be like a capitalist explosion. I might not always work with capitalism very well. And, and so you have to, to really, what is it that you enjoy? What is it that you love? What is it that you're passionate about? You know, and for me, like I didn't go to Bible college or I didn't go to like seminary. So I'm, you know, and I didn't go to school for philosophy. So I'm trying to read Hegel on the weekdays and I'm trying to listen to philosophical lectures on, on my, you know, and on my speakers at home, why I'm, you know, cleaning up or doing things. And I'm really trying to learn all the time to be a better speaker. And I'm going to be an, I'm going to see an analyst so I can be a better speaker and better father and a better human being. So it's like, you know, letting people know, like there is another way and to live life, but there's, there's good sacrifices involved, you know? And, um, that's okay. You know, I'm not going to have a poor me party. I'm just going to do my best. And, um, Keep short goals, I guess. <laughs> because man, it's I can't even you shake your head because it's tough. It's really tough. It wears you out. I feel you. I feel so, you deeply. So, thank you. Thank know. you. Yeah. I feel seen right now. I hope all of our listeners do too. I kind of sometimes would forget we were actually recording a podcast. So thanks for that, Jay, for yeah. uh taking time and for reminding me to keep going. Because this is uh, those last things you said about this is my passion. I love talking to people. I love helping people move forward. I love helping people put faith back together. I love helping people find what it is that has been put deep inside their soul to do that only, you know, doing it would bring them life. Like that's kind of what I feel like I do. I'm doing. And I have to tell myself that success doesn't always look a certain way. Like this is my dream, what I'm doing, like having um, the ability to tell stories and create movies and and lead people in faith conversations and do this kind of stuff. So thank you. This was affirming for me. And uh, yeah, dude, well, let's stay in touch. I'm looking forward to seeing what else could become. And, you know, when you want to do some speaking out in California, there's a place for you. I'd love to see if we can make that happen. Northern California. We live about, uh, well, the church I, I'm a part of is about 20 minutes north of the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin okay. County. Yeah. Well, that'd be rad. I would love to come up to Northern California. I've got I got a buddy, a friend of mine who's in a punk band who lives up there. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> right on. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.